Support for this episode of NRay was provided by the Nanny Tax Company. If you employ a nanny, babysitter, caregiver, or housekeeper in your home, you may be required to pay employment taxes. The Nanny Tax Company has expertise in handling the delicate tax requirements for household employers. The service is simple, accurate, and cost-effective so you can save time while staying compliant with the law. For more information, visit www.nannytaxprep.com or call 1-800-747-9820. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and do not represent IICLE. This episode of Vinray contains content that may be seen as objectionable to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. They took numerous pieces of evidence from GK's vehicle, which was cataloged and sent to Parker. Over 40 pieces of evidence were collected. GK essentially goes quiet. There's not much of a follow-up in the records available to the public. What we do know from here is that supposedly the girl was 20, reddish-brown hair, and brown eyes. She was an exotic dancer and enjoyed the bar scene. However, according to official transcripts, there were some inconsistencies with this story. First, he said the woman was 20 years old. We know from multiple documents that the woman was probably in her late 20s or 30s. However, it can go all the way up into 50s. Second problem here is that he was captured on February 27, 1993. The woman's head was found a month earlier and had already been in the news. His exodus from Illinois could have been coincidental. He could have overheard the story and just rambled it off to a fellow inmate to try and impress him. He was also a heavy drug user at the time he was pulled over. However, he could have also been running from the law. The third problem is the veracity of his claims. Setting aside his claims of murdering the Lady of Rind Lake, he also claimed other murders. The 1980s. It was a time of exuberance and the decade of riches in America. However, just beneath the surface, there was satanic panic. From the late 60s into the mid-90s, America and even the UK fell under the chaotic paranoia deemed satanic panic. It began with the Manson family murders to Satanism and glorification of serial killers in the 70s and 80s, then to the fear of next-door neighbors doing harm to us or our children. People were afraid of satanic ritual abuse, especially after the now-discredited book Michelle Remembers from 1980, which recounted satanic ritual abuse she experienced. Everyone was afraid. In 1993, GK admitted to the murder of a child runaway and a satanic ritual along with some other individuals and ritualistically killing dogs. Both claims were unsubstantiated. He also spoke of doing a murder for hire for a small town biker bar owner. He claimed to have murdered another person with a knife, which is how he said he murdered the Lady of Rin Lake, and done numerous burglaries in the Springfield and Murfreesboro areas. None of those specific claims were substantiated. However, he was known to police officials around that area. So he had had some sort of instances of run-ins with the law. He also claimed the method of murder was him, quote, gutting her from the navel upward. If you listen to episode one, you know that the Jane Doe was bludgeoned over the head multiple times. One caused multiple subcutaneous and subgaleal hemorrhages. These can be fatal and are possibly the cause of death. 
There's also the fact that his partner in crime, Jim, last name unknown, has never been identified. However, the similarities of the Impala he was picked up in, combined with the witness statement of seeing a Chevy celebrity, makes for a compelling case that he was there that night. And by that night, I should say that time frame, right? Because we know from some of the anatomical reports that the head prior to being found had been there most likely around 10 days, one week to 10 to 12 days. So that fits in with the time period in there. Was this a case of a young person talking himself up or was this the confession of a killer who'd murdered multiple people and committed multiple crimes. GK was never charged with any of what he claimed regarding the murders or the robberies. Time passed and the case grew cold. Parker began chasing leads regarding missing persons around the country. A flyer about Jane Doe's dental work went out in the ADA newsletter seeking information from dentists across the nation about whether or not they had done the dental work. A few individuals were looked at, but neither were the Lady of Rin Lake. Leads came in. A woman's headless body was found in a lake in northern Illinois, but it was not her. It wasn't the Lady of Rin Lake. Multiple reports came in over the years of people believing it to be a friend from grade school or a missing aunt or daughter. Once again, these leads didn't pan out. Time continues to crawl forward. In 1996, a sculpture was made from the skull to represent what the person looked like in life. It was nothing like the initial drawing, the one that they did after the actual head in front of them. The hair was wrong, the face sagged in a ghoulish manner. It was not representative of what a person would look like. It was an uncanny semblance of a human. Special Agent Parker eventually leaves the case is then assigned to Gary Brown, then Sergeant Threlkill, then Pam Burke, then Al Burton, then Stanton Diggs, then William Sons, then Jay Hill, then Myron Pansing. In 2015, Myron Pansing closes the Illinois State Police's investigation into the Lady of Rind Lake. All evidence is then sent back to the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, where the case is still open. The reason it was closed was due to no new leads. Years passed and the case was ice cold. This is where I come in. I felt sad and angry that this person was murdered and left in a lonely part of the state park. I wanted to know more. I guess from a personal perspective, I've always been the type of person who needs closure to a case. This was so sad and so cold and so distant the way that her head was found there and the fact that the body had never even been identified. No one no one claimed this person. She had some sort of terrible ending and her continuance what was left of her never got the justice that she needed in life. I wanted to know more. I needed to know more. On April 13th, 2017, I filed a FOIA request, or Freedom of Information Act. 
I knew the statute of limitations would still be in place because it was a murder, but I wanted to get as much as possible. This is truly my shot in the dark. I was incredibly surprised when on June 6th, 2017, I received over 300 pages of documents used in the investigation of Jane Doe. I spent the next month poring over the files. I found what I have presented to you in these episodes. Everything that was in that, everything of substance, I gave to you. There are some aspects that I did not because either it was a person named who has nothing to do with the case or because uh, the individual really was found out to have no correlation to what we were looking at. Specifically a missing person who was found to not be Jane Doe. I found a story. A story of twists and turns, a story with no definitive conclusion to my chagrin. I need closure for myself and for the individuals involved in the case. I wanted to try my hand at possibly identifying the Lady of Rind Lake. That's how it started out. I shared details with friends and scoured the internet. I found web forums dedicated to the case. Web sleuths, the armchair investigators of the internet, had their own ideas and possibilities of who the woman was and who killed her. I looked through some of the information on the forums but found nothing concrete that I would say was feasible. I then went to NamUs, a free nationwide database of missing and unidentified persons, and began my search. Occam's razor became my main ideology when looking for the woman. So Occam's razor boils down to the simplest explanation is usually the truest, right? So I could say that the reason why my keys aren't here is because aliens came down, <laughs> sucked them out of my house, and now they have my keys, or they're probably somewhere around here and I lost them. So that's probably the truest, even though it may not be the coolest, which I believe is the alien one. I had to assume there were reasons why this person was never found. The first one was that she was not reported, right? That was a hard pill to swallow, but she may just not have been reported missing. I also believed she may have been out of state, as no missing people or unidentified remains matched her makeup. So in that period, I even looked out uh, a little bit behind, and I found no person who matched even a little bit the description. There were just a few things I had to keep in mind as I continued to search. These were just a few things I had to keep in mind as I continued the search. The other is maybe she didn't go missing so soon before her head was found. Maybe this person went missing months or even years before. I began my search. I narrowed it down by her demographics and started from the date of her being found. From there, I worked backward. I found it shocking how many people are still missing. No trace to be found of them, just gone. It really is a scary, uh, a scary thought. Um, Namus goes back to, I think the 50s at least, or some of the people who had remotely similar um, demographics. Uh, it, it, I, I, think, I think what happened for me was the reality of it actually started to hit me. Uh, I think it, the reality of what I was doing, this isn't, this isn't CSI, it's not a TV show, like this is real, this is real life, and I was pushing myself into a story that I 
that I really maybe shouldn't have um, in a way. I only say that because of the nightmares I had. Uh, not just uh, the human head aspect, but reading the anatomical reports, um, the serial killer stuff to know that uh, it's just a little, a few hours south is where all this happened and to know that this happened when I was fairly young and that the person could still be out there. It's all very scary. Um, and sometimes you worry about involving yourself, especially knowing that, you know, the killer is unidentified, is not behind bars, possibly listens to podcasts. <laughs> After searching for a week or so, going through each person's file as close as I could, I found someone. Her name was Cheryl. She had somewhat similar teeth to Jane Doe. I was convinced that this woman was the Lady of Rind Lake. I went to websleuths.com to see if they had information about Cheryl. I found that they had a minimal amount of information about her, but it was still something. I asked one question. Did she smoke? Now remember, they found nicotine in her brain tissue. I thought this would give an even better indication of whether I was headed in the right direction. I never got a response, but I did reach out to the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, letting them know about the case. Within 24 hours, I got a fairly immediate response. They said they were going to check with the agency handling Cheryl's case. 24 hours later, I had my answer. It wasn't her. I think when we investigate cases like this, especially those of us who are just armchair forensic scientists, right? We want to have closure so much, you start to see things that aren't there. It's pretty common, actually, for humans. It's called apophenia. We seek patterns in random information. I had to take a step back. Once I did, I found that it was true. I'd made patterns from random information. The hair was wrong, the eye color was wrong, and even the teeth were slightly wrong. I wanted it to be her so much, it crushed me when it wasn't. I dropped looking for her, looking into the case, for three years. Until now. I've read the 300 plus pages about 50 times at this point. I wanted to tell her story. I went back only to search for her again. This time, I was much more skeptical. I used the anatomical evaluation to look at what could have happened to her and who it could be. Over the past three months, I looked through many profiles and found one that stood out. Her name is Christina Chandler. She went missing about two years earlier in Texas. She had a similar asymmetry to her face. Her teeth were nearly identical to the drawing. Her build was about the same as the supposed woman GK claims it was, about 100 pounds when she went missing. She had the right hair, she was the right age, and she had a similar discoloration in her ear. However, where did she go for two years? How did she end up in Illinois? These are questions I don't have answers to. Maybe that's because it isn't her. I sent my findings and information to NamUs, who sent the information on to the reporting agencies. I'll update the podcast when I find out more information from the agencies, um, whether or not it's her. So, about this aspect, I... I have to say, I am fairly, I have a fairly decent, um, a 
a fairly decent thought that it could be her. Um, I took, I, I removed the PDF and made it into an image, the one of the drawing that was initially released. I took that and I put it next to the actual photo of the woman. And what I found was if I were to hold them side by side, there was enough information there. I mean, the hairstyle, the, a little bit of the asymmetry, and I think the hugest part, the, one, the thing that will solve this case is dental work. I will say that 100%. It's either dental work or blood tissue, but I don't know if it's degraded by now. But the teeth, that is what will solve this case. And I will tell you, when I saw this, it gave me chills because almost everything in the dental work there matched. Even the ghoulish sculpture, it actually kind of looked like the woman. Now, of course, not everything, but facial structure-wise, especially the eyes, were almost identical to spacing and things like that of the actual woman. But I don't know. Am I seeing patterns that don't exist? And I can't say no. Her murderer is likely never going to be caught or positively identified. The current suspect may have died a few years ago. However, I was listening to a podcast and found out about Gary Michael Hilton. Hilton was a serial killer in northern Georgia who has been linked directly to four murders. Police agencies suspect but have not linked Hilton to murders that match his modus operandi. They included murders in southern Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, and western Arkansas. If you look on a map, <laughs> that's a trek. But he had a very specific way of killing and disposing of bodies. He was a drifter, an opportunistic killer. He was known for preying on individuals and disposing of his victims in national parks. He was dubbed the National Forest Serial Killer. The area of Rind Lake, where Jane Doe's head was found, is located in Wayne Fitzgerald State Park. The primary reason I think this could be linked is because of how her body was disposed of. Hilton would dismember his victims. He would kill them using blunt force trauma to the head and then decapitate them, cut off their hands, and leave the body parts in separate places. If you listen to part one, you know that the probable cause of death of Jane Doe was blunt force trauma to the head. This is all speculation, of course. Maybe it's apophenia again. However, I think the comparison of disposal of victims asks for a second glance at the case. I do believe the graffiti in the restroom, however, is not tied to the murder directly and was just someone playing a rather morbid prank. This is a story with no definitive ending. There are only things we can infer. However, we know a woman is dead and her identity unknown. We know a killer is unnamed and could still be out there. We know a family still misses their daughter, mother, or sister. We also know someone out there must know something. I could be completely wrong here about who she was in life or the suspects I've talked about here. I'm more than likely wrong, but the facts of the case are true. 
You've heard them in the way they were reported. It was the end of a woman's life, but regarding what happens next and interest in the case, I hope it's just the beginning. Thank you for listening. Please leave a rating or comment on whatever platform you're listening on or email me at nray at iicle.com and let us know what you think of the podcast as it really helps us out. If you would like to learn more about Tickle's products, programs, or publications, please visit iicle.com.